Hello, and welcome to show number 2329 of Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. You have to keep on trying. You have to set a goal for yourself. And I'm not going to say it was smooth. I faced a lot of hardships when I went back to college after losing my vision. I would not say absolutely not easy, but you fall, you get up, and you keep on moving again. And we'll hear how that attitude carried through today's guest on her journey. Few companies were concerned with the accessibility of their products when Jotz Nakaki was looking for a job. Undaunted, she went on to get a position at Google and is now an accessibility analyst. We'll talk with Jotsna about her journey and how her role has evolved over the years as companies' attitudes towards accessibility have also evolved. But first for a tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Jotsna Kaki. When I'm reached out to by individuals with disabilities for guidance, oftentimes, especially when they haven't started a job or they have become disabled recently and they have been working, one of the questions they ask me is, what kind of a job should I look for? And one thing I always tell people is, don't render your job or your need based on your disability. Disability is not going to stop you from doing any job whatsoever. Just figure out how you're going to customize it and do it. It's more important that you pick a job that you're most interested in, not what your disability is interested in. That is great advice, because certainly if you are interested in something, you will often do well at it. Exactly. And enjoy the job more. Definitely, because you spend most of your waking hours at the job. And if you select something because you think that is going to be the only job you can do, Trust me, you're going to get frustrated of yourself sooner or later. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Clusive, an e-learning platform built for the blind community to learn technology, occupational, and career skills to help you reach your employment goals. More information is at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusiv.io. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by reintroducing Jotsna, who you met last week. And because the subjects were slightly different this week and last week, her introduction last week is also slightly different from this week. Well, last week, Yosna, we spoke with you primarily about what is new at Google in terms of accessibility for the visually impaired. But we also noted that you had an interesting story of how you came to Google and what you do there. So I thought we'd start out by having you reintroduce yourself to our listeners who might have missed that show, and then we can talk a little bit about how you got where you are and how you wound up with this wonderful job. Sure. My name is Jyot Snakaki, and I am currently working at Google uh, as an accessibility analyst, and I'm completely blind, 
And I have a little munchkin, little daughter of eight years old. And yeah, I live in California. You mentioned last week that you went totally blind as an undergraduate. Was that sudden? It was kind of a sudden. I have a brain tumor. It's a benign tumor. And uh, the tumor was putting pressure on the optic nerve, which caused my vision to be blurry. So as they were trying to remove the tumor, they completely traumatized my optic nerve, which has made me blind. But in turn, that was a wrong decision, and it actually had made it worse, where I became completely blind. So the surgeon was trying to fix the blurry problem that you had, and when you were done with the surgery, you had no vision at all. Yes, that is correct. And you were able to graduate on time, even having to learn all of your new blindness skills? I had to push it off for a year. So this happened in November of 2004. I was set to graduate in May of 2005. So I had to take withdrawal from all of my classes to go in for an emergency surgery. But once I went back to college, I went back to college in Jan of 2005. And I had to take the first semester to learn Braille, mobility training, how to use JAWS and you know software, uh, screen readers and all, and finish off all of the classes I had left. You know, I wasn't able to take a full semester uh, set of courses. So I split those into two semesters and I graduated in 2006, May. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Jotsna's journey and how her role has changed over the years from her first job to her current position as an accessibility analyst. In the introduction, you told us how you went blind suddenly just before graduating college. And I'm kind of curious, often one of my pet peeves is you see an ophthalmologist and they tell you about the state of your vision, but they don't really suggest where you should go to get help with using any vision that you might have or where you can get help with assistive devices. I'm wondering how you got plugged into these resources for the blind and how long it took you to retrain yourself so you could do the things you wanted to do. So the interesting thing was the university I went to, they have a really good disability resource center. But before I lost my vision, I had never really known about them till just the semester before it was rather coincidence that I was helping a classmate. They had gotten a fracture and I was helping them out. And when they sent me to the DRC to pick up some material for them, I came to realize what that center is. When I lost my vision, my mom says, I don't remember, but she said like the day I had woken up from my surgery when I found out I was blind, I told my brother to go find out how I could get back to college. Wow, good for you. And basically, like literally in December, I mean, the month after I'd lost my vision, I had gone and visited the DRC and asked them how they could help me get back to college. And they told me about all the resources. And they were the ones who provided me the training to use screen readers. And they were the ones who also got me initiated with Braille and all of that. And I'd gotten back to college about a month and a half after my surgery to get back on track. 
Wow. So you're pretty receptive to the idea of making these changes and pretty proactive. My main focus and goal was when I was in high school, when I was applying to universities, I wanted to get into some top-notch universities so that my parents could be very proud of me and brag about it. But unfortunately, I couldn't get into any of those really top-notch universities. So my next goal was I figured, okay, doesn't matter which university I go to, I don't want to take a single day more than four years to complete my undergrad. And that was my focus from day one. And that was kind of also the scenario when the doctor said I have to go for an emergency surgery. I begged them to wait for a month so that my winter break could start so that I did not have to disconnect from classes. But when they said that was not possible, I had to take leave. And when I went back to college, I figured, okay, with my disability and all the situation, I figured I wouldn't be able to complete it at the same time and graduate in four years. But my focus was, I got to do what is next best, the next fastest I could. And that's why I wanted to get back to college as soon as I could. And in fact, I would say that was a huge help for me. Because I was back on campus getting myself busy, I never got into depression about my disability. By the time I finished my first semester, I had learned Braille, I had new mobility training, I knew how to cook, I knew how to do all household chores all by myself. So by the time I had my first summer break, even though I had time to think about my situation, I had nothing to be sympathetic about because I could do pretty much everything I could do as a sighted person. If not, just better, I would say. Well, that's tremendous. You know, I think sometimes blind people or people going through that transition, they do have to work a little bit harder. They have to be proactive. But it's also very helpful to have a goal towards which you're aiming. So I lost most of my vision just before starting graduate school, and I was going to enter a PhD program in engineering physics. And I saved my eye surgery that left me blind the summer before graduate school till the week after graduation. And that summer, that's when I relearned Braille, relearned some of my blindness skills that I had learned as a youth, but really hadn't used because I had some residual vision through my education. And that summer, that was my job. That's when I learned my cane lesson. And, you know, I felt I had all the skills ready for graduate school in the fall. That sounds like you did a very similar thing. Just having a goal was really um, motivating. That is absolutely true. And that's what I also had said. You have to keep on trying. You have to set a goal for yourself. Otherwise, you don't know what you're aiming for. So I would say the goal is like the light at the end of the tunnel. You keep on aiming for that. And I'm not going to say it was smooth. I faced a lot of hardships when I went back to college after losing my vision. I would not say absolutely not easy. But you fall, you get up, and you keep on moving again. And what I think is interesting going through an experience like that is it makes blind people particularly good problem solvers because they have to be. They learn to solve problems and overcome challenges like that. Yes, I can remember when I had lost my vision, one thing was for me to accomplish the goal. But the other thing that has been very important to me from the beginning is being independent. 
once I prove to myself that I can do something on my own, I don't mind depending on someone after that to perform the same task. But till I prove to myself that I can do it independently, I just cannot rest easy. And believe it or not, like I never went to a training center, like an independent living center, but everything else, like regular things, whether it's cleaning, cooking, ironing clothes, just doing matching of everything I had figured out on my own. And that's what I feel like, you know, as we, if we set our mind to it, I think we can definitely accomplish it. What I think is interesting about both of your transitions is that you had a target, a goal, almost a deadline by which you each decided that you wanted to acquire good blindness skills or in Pete's case, relearn some of them. And you had a pretty short time frame for that. And so you didn't really, when your vision suddenly failed, you didn't really have the bandwidth to be scared and, and worry about it. You just took care of business. And then by the time you had more time to think about it, you had already learned all of the necessary skills and developed independence. And I think you talk to a lot of people who realize they're losing their vision as an adult and they don't have that short time frame to deal with. And they've got lots of time to be scared and wonder, how am I going to learn to do things differently? I definitely agree with that. But I would say maybe a better situation would be to go and invest that time on searching online as to what kind of tools or products there are to help them out. Because honestly, somebody worrying about anything, right, that's not going to prevent that from happening or that will not help them in any way. It will only make things worse. So instead, focusing that time on researching and figuring out how it can help. I have mentored other individuals who have been in that situation. And their focus was in that scenario is they were not, you know, really getting depressed as to what is going to happen in the future. They were focused on what can I do? What do I do while I'm transitioning? And what can I do when I get to that situation? And looking and playing, let's say, for example, those individuals researched about, okay, screen readers. And they started using the screen readers when they have at least some vision. And they were taking it as maybe think of it in this way. When you have a little bit vision, Maybe if you try those things out now, maybe it will make it easier for them, you know, for you to adapt to those till if you were to wait till when you're completely blind and you're in that situation and everything feels like it's falling down. Yes. Try to make it a smooth transition. So anyway, now you were out of college and presumably looking for a job. How did that go? And what was your idea of what you wanted to do? My first hunch when I was in my final semester of college, I was doing a project for the Disability Resource Center. And as part of that, they had me test some software to make the decision based on whether they should purchase that software or not. And that is when things triggered is I was like, what if I can do this as a job for the companies after I graduate? 
you know, if I can evaluate software for accessibility, that would really be awesome because there are so many products which are inaccessible out there, which was causing frustrations for me. But of course, back then, only government-based companies were the ones we could find accessibility roles with. Yes, this was about the time that corporations will first start thinking about accessibility in general. Yes. When it came to applying to companies, I tried to do some projects for companies like my parents' companies for doing accessibility evaluation of their products. But of course, you know, when companies don't have any initiatives for accessibility, what are they going to do with my report? So it led to nowhere. And I was trying to figure out what to do. And my dad gave me two options. He said, well, we can try to make up a resume based on an accessibility testing specialist role, and you can try to apply or you can go for a master's. And I did not want to go for a master's at all. So that was an even bigger motivator for me to get a job. And with my dad's help, I made up a resume for a role called accessibility testing specialist. And I started applying at companies. And at the same time, a number of people, such as my professors, everybody said, why didn't you apply at Google? And I said, no. I'm not going to apply at Google because I know I won't get in, so forget about it. And while this was all going on, my brother sent my resume to his friend at Google. And he said, my sister doesn't know. I'm applying for her. If you find an appropriate position for her, please help her out. And back then, there wasn't um, anyone really like an accessibility team at Google. There were a few individuals who had some expertise in accessibility, but there wasn't any work being done. But my brother's friend knew them. He gave my resume. One thing led to the other. And believe it or not, they created a position to get me into Google. And they created the exact position I had put on my resume. And they had hired me for it. And that's where the journey all started. And how did your interview at Google go? When I did my interview at Google, so even the interviewers did not have any knowledge about this role because it was a totally made up role. So they tried to ask questions that they thought would be appropriate. And I kept on saying, um, I don't think that would be appropriate for this role. You know, this is a testing role. You wouldn't do development work and everything like that. So even the interview was kind of an interesting one while I was doing it. What happened after that? So I had a couple of rounds of interview and all of a sudden I had a, uh, even the call from the recruiter was, uh, the recruiter was trying to pull a fast one on me. He called and was so serious and he's like, uh, I want you to sit down. If you have somebody to help you out, um, you know, have them sit next to you. My mom was at home and I kept on saying to her, no, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. And he said, well, um, you have a job at Google. And, you know, he gave all the details. But the moment he said, you have a job at Google, everything else, just literally <laughs> nothing passed through my ears. That you know? is pretty exciting. Even after I joined Google, I would say the journey was really interesting because, you know, not many people knew about accessibility. So a lot of it was educating others about accessibility and trying to prove as to what the role is about. So that was the other thing. Because the role did not really exist, even my manager didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. So a lot of it was trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, do the work, 
and then prove to my manager that what I was doing was actually useful and worthwhile. In some sense, then you had to define your own job and make it work out. Yeah. Another problem solving uh, opportunity. Yes, definitely. How long have you been at Google? I've been at Google for a bit over 16 years. Wow. And how did your career progress from there? I started in test engineering. I've gone into being a program manager. And now I'm an analyst where this analyst role is completely different, where it works horizontally. So we work, we do roles of program manager, testers, UX, all different roles, all combined into one role is what this accessibility analyst role is actually about. That is a great story, how you overcame going blind later in life. That's a tough transition and kind of found the job of your dreams at a time when companies really weren't thinking about accessibility in general. Most definitely. And that is kind of also the hardship I had to face initially is when I was trying to explain to people accessibility, they're like, accessibility, what are you talking about? Get out. You must have had a very interesting career because as your career, your personal position within the corporation evolved, the corporate and not just Google, but other corporations, commitment to accessibility and inclusion also were involving. And so you got to grow through that growth. Most definitely. I mean, I've definitely seen the evolution of accessibility at Google and at the same time, I've also seen how many other companies, because when I started at Google for a number of years, there weren't, um, I mean, the team started growing quite soon after I joined, but I was still uh, the only person in the particular role I was hired for, but I was training other product team individuals to perform the similar tasks as I was. And at the same time, um, after a number of years, I started uh vendor team of accessibility testers. And I saw like oftentimes I used to get reached out to by recruiters from other companies for an accessibility role. And I was shocked to see, I know, wow, many other companies are really interested in accessibility. And I've seen over time as to how much this accessibility role is really sought out after from many companies. I mean, even individuals like vendors who have left my team have gone ahead and joined other companies as full-timers, as lead roles. Because, you know, this accessibility has really, really, really evolved and become so important. You've been at Google now for a number of years. Can you talk a little bit about how your role has changed over the years as the idea of accessibility has taken more of a foundation at Google? Yes, definitely. So I would say in a personal effect, for a number of years, I was doing the primary accessibility testing role. In the beginning, for a number of years, when I approached anyone saying, hey, I evaluated this product, I found these roles, they're like, what? Accessibility, what the heck are you talking about? Sorry, I don't have time for you. Get out. And over time, that evolved more and more teams. Um, I've tr I trained many individuals, many product teams, hired um, individuals. And over time now, it's the other way around. Product teams reach out saying, hey, can you please help us? I'm like, what? I don't have time for you. Get out. Right? I'm too busy. I have so many things to do and everything. 
and like I mentioned now, like pretty much majority of the product teams at Google, they have someone or the other working on accessibility. They have developers working on accessibility. They have testers, program managers, everybody working on accessibility. We have our own specific products for, you know, for individuals with disabilities um, that has been built by various product teams and the central accessibility team. And accessibility is really, really important at Google. We have so many initiatives going on and we have representation at all the various conferences. I can remember the very first time I attended CSUN, it was just a talk and I was doing a demo during the talk. And I remember the first time we had a booth at uh, CSUN. I can remember it was just four or five of us from our team. And I was the only one who could do a demo with a screen reader. And I was locked basically in the booth because I was the only one who could do the demos. And before COVID, we were getting a couple of hundred people attending from Google. And we had to tell, hey, don't stand around at the Google booth. Otherwise, it will look like majority of employees are here. Go walk around. We don't want volunteers volunteering to give demos. We already have so many people signed up to do it. So definitely, I would say the growth has been drastic. And I mean, I'm not saying it's ever the end. There's always opportunity to grow and, you know, not long ways to go. But definitely, I would say we have come a long, long way. Well, and that is really great to see how companies have really embraced the idea of making their products more accessible over the years. And it had to be very exciting being involved in the very early stages of that transition. Definitely. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to contact Jotsna Kaki. If people had questions for you, how might they contact you? I can tell you my email address. So it's J as in Jackie, K as in kangaroo, A as in apple, K as in kangaroo, I as in igloo at google.com. So that's jkaki at google.com. Thank you so much. You know, you have really illustrated how motivation and determination can go a long way to getting you where you want to be. It's terrific to see somebody with that kind of mindset succeed. Definitely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure talking to both of you. As usual, we'll have that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode, which is episode 2329 at www.eyesonsuccess.net. And we'll also have links to other resources for connecting with Google accessibility. And I want to remind people that if you think Eyes on Success is useful and helpful to people, as many of our listeners do, and you have a friend who doesn't know about the show, you may share it with them. Tell them they can get Eyes on Success as a podcast, wherever they get their podcast, over many radio reading services, or listen on your smart home device by saying, play the Eyes on Success podcast. So let other people know about it. That's it for today's show. 
Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about navigating the transition to sight loss. In his new book, The Country of the Blind, A Memoir at the End of Sight, author and audio producer Andrew Leland chronicles his slow progression from sightedness to blindness due to retinitis pigmentosa. We'll talk with Andrew about the book, his transition through various stages of sight loss, and what he learned along the way. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us again for next week's episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.